Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is a Wednesday edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Per usual, on Wednesdays, we talk Notre Dame recruiting. Today, we have Irish Illustrated's Kevin Sinclair. Kevin, welcome. I know that you, uh, uh, CJ Carr had a big game over the weekend. We've been keeping a close eye on him. He hasn't had a lot of help with his supporting cast, but he had a big breakout game this past weekend. The Celine Michigan verbal commitment to Notre Dame in the class of likely 2024. What did you see, Kevin, from, from CJ Carr this past weekend? Yeah. So, I mean, I would just start by saying, um, you know, a week or two previous, he had a game where I tuned into like the first half and I saw several plays where he was under a bunch of pressure through really nice, accurate passes where his receivers just straight up dropped them in the, you know, hit him in the hands or in the chest. And then I didn't see the second half. I saw him get sacked as well, unavoidable sacks. And then after the game, his stat line wasn't that great, but you know, from what I'd seen, it wasn't really a situation where he had a bad night just, you know, his, like, as you said, his supporting cast wasn't great. So then there was some like chatter in the message board. Uh Oh, CJ card, bad <laughs> game. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this game this Friday. So Friday I tuned into the game. I, I watched the whole game and then I rewatched it again on Saturday and to sort of um, cut up highlights and that anyhow, it was almost like an NFL style passing attack in terms of the ratio of pass to run for high school, high school, usually like 12 to 15 passes. This was 38 passing attempts. So it was 26 of 38 for 385 yards and four touchdowns. First series comes out. He hit, I believe it was his uh, tight end or slot receiver in the flat, hits him in the chest and it hits the turf. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> but uh, after that six straight completions and um, he rushed uh, quarterback draw from the seven yard line, runs into the end zone. And then from there, you know, he's a quarterback where in terms of, um, you know, just timing passes, once he gets on and he gets in a rhythm, it's just every pass is on the money. He was, um, you know, just in that rhythm, hitting quick passes into the flats, slant routes, um, and then some sort of misdirection of play action where he'd get outside of the pocket. And he was just very accurate. Very impressive. Again, he threw for 385 yards, four touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, confident, poised, played really, really well. I was impressed. He was he was basically the performance you'd expect from a five-star quarterback. Well, it, you know, I mean, we, we've seen him in the past. He didn't suddenly become a, a, a two-star, three-star quarterback. And so when you see the numbers, uh, obviously being pretty shaky at the start of the season, you you the first reaction is that there are – extenuating circumstances behind it. I'm not saying that he doesn't need to continue to improve his game, but some of the things that I saw from this past weekend, you know, the, the things we've seen before, his pocket presence is excellent. Um, the quick release of the football, the ball placement. And, and this came to mind because there was a pass by Drew Pine on Saturday in the end zone to Braden Lindsay. And I think Jason Garrett said at the time, you'd like to see a little bit more air under the football. CJ Carr puts air under the football and he allows his deep receivers to run underneath it. So I thought that that was, I thought it was impressive. It's good for him to have a breakout performance like that. And maybe his, uh, maybe his pass catchers will 
have a little bit more confidence moving forward. Jeremiah Love, of course, he was a, a, a topic of conversation here in recent weeks as he verbally committed to Notre Dame. I, I know you put a clip out there, Kevin, of of him working out of, a, I mean, I guess kind of coming out of the backfield or from a slot position. Yeah, it's almost and like a wing back, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And a 77-yard grab, and just, you just see him in his full stride, and you realize just how fast and, so, and the size that Jeremiah Love brings to, or will be bringing to Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, it's uh, a thing where, um, you know, his in, during his recruitment and, and during and after his commitment, there has always been a lot of talk about, well, he's a running back, but he can play slot receiver. And we often hear those things where there's this sort of secondary role when they're prospects, when they come to college, they just have that one true position, right? And so I, I kind of wasn't sure if we'd, really see him play receiver in college but you know watching him on Friday as he said he ran he sort of lined up as a wing back around this wheel route the the you know fluidity how natural he looked sort of in that route and then catching that ball in full stride I mean he looked really really sharp so I guess like one of my bigger takeaways was that I'm really starting to see that it wasn't just this game it was the last few games he's been making these catches and looking really good and natural and comfortable and doing so so you know, I really do think that, you know, I can see that now, um, you know, talk about Dylan Edwards as well, being that running back slot receiver. I would think Edwards is really that all purpose back where love is running back slash receiver. I almost kind of think maybe we could draw a CJ Procise comparison there. Um, That's interesting. Procise played receiver. He also had that similar kind of speed, similar type of body type and size. So anyways, man, he's dynamic and he's got some ability as a receiver. Yeah, I'll take another CJ Procise anyway. Yeah, no doubt. yeah I, you know, I, I agree, Kevin. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you can dictate a role. I mean, a lot of times, obviously, a guy comes in, plays one position, uh, but you can dictate that role where he's a running back slash wing back or slot receiver. And again, I love his his breakaway uh, speed. And again, that size, when you see him in the open field, it's like, uh, that's not just a fast guy. That's a guy with a little bit of size to him as well. Mm-hmm. We do want to talk about... Um, a wide receiver by the name of Khalil Barnes. Uh, he's from Georgia, a four-star guy. He'll be visiting Notre Dame for the Clemson game, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's is, right. And he is also uh, being looked at a little bit by Clemson, as well as some mid-range schools. I think you mentioned Georgia Tech to me. Khalil Barnes, um, what do you see from him, Kevin? Yeah, you know, I... I might like him more as a defensive back than receiver, but um, he's a guy where not a lot stands out in terms of real flashy player. Um, You know, he's sort of got average size. Um, He's not a burner, but he's real well-rounded, does everything really well. He's very productive. He's a star player for his currently undefeated, you know, 8-0 Georgia 4A team. Um, he's a, and, and when I wrote about him in my rundown this week, I kind of likened him to Joe Wilkins in terms of as a prospect, Joe Wilkins was a wide receiver slash defensive back who wasn't super dynamic, but he had good frame, did everything really well, um, and came to Notre Dame, played a bit of DV, played a bit of receiver and stuck there ever since. And I think Barnes is kind of similar profile wise in terms of, you can play defensive back and play wide receiver. They're recruiting him as a receiver. They need depth there. Obviously, we know about Tayshawn Leons. He's 
you know, a guy obviously a little bit more talented, but you need to have more than one option there um, in terms of just adding that fourth receiver to the class. So I think it's a smart um, offer just to get another option out there. If you look at the wide receivers that are still on the market and available, there isn't a lot there. And I think that's why you're seeing um, Tayshon getting offers from Texas A&M and Miami and all of that. He's one of the um, top receivers who's still, you know, available. So, you know, smart offer, um, 3.5 GPA, um, visiting Notre Dame. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, I like uh, prospects out of Georgia, really good high school ball there, and we've seen them do well uh, up at Notre Dame. I will say that I think that he is, when you when you make the Wilkins comparison, I know that a lot of Notre Dame followers will, will not be thrilled about that comparison because Wilkins' career has has leveled off, and now he's coming out of an injury situation. He's not getting any playing time. But, but I will say, Khalil Bards, I do think he's a little bit quicker than Joe Wilkins. And I, I think you made an interesting comment about DB because I was – I think there's just a couple of plays where I saw him at DB, but his ability – you know, to mirror a receiver, he does, he does a really nice job on reacting to and breaking on the ball on an outcut by a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of intriguing. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what goes, what happens with that. I would just add with that. The reason why I, I also like, you know, you can play receiver and, and safety. Notre Dame needs safety. So if you look over the last two classes, 2021, 2022, the only safety among both those classes on the roster now is Justin Walters, who hasn't cracked the two deep. Of course, they have multiple safeties in this class, but man, uh, Brandon Joseph, Houston Griffith, DJ Brown, those guys are on their way out, right? And that's position where they need bodies. So, hey, if a kid can play wide receiver and safety, two positions of really serious need, I mean, uh, I like that. Yeah, I know there was discussion on our message board about the, the, the sophomore DBs, and I did notice that Justin Walters was not in full uniform for the game Saturday, so he's dealing mm-hmm. with something Mm-hmm. there uh but but he i mean after a really quick uh early entry spring for him he's kind of settled back into the the back of the crowd i didn't mm-hmm. want to um Tayshawn leon's that that you mentioned from hayward california and and i know that you said miami and texas a&m have now chimed in with an offer so that complicates things a little bit more i saw his ranking i don't know if it adjusted recently i don't pay as much attention to that as, as some others, but I see he's number Leon's is number two thirty four. I think that's my personal opinion is I think that's a little low. I think he's underrated at that number. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, like I've been tracking him closely throughout his season and every single week he makes like really dynamic plays. Like he seems to be improving by the week um his quickness and agility is really exciting and I think he could be a really good slot receiver um his his suddenness his um sort of fluidity his nimbleness about him and then just his his kind of sudden quickness I really like that in the slot and that's what you need as a guy who's who's loose and sudden I think he could be great at that position but um, last time I spoke with him, didn't sound like he's making a decision anytime soon. He definitely likes the idea of possibly making a decision after his season. So, like we said, we've seen these offers just recently, Texas A&M being the most recent. I think the offers will continue to pile up um, if he, you know, stretches his decision into November or even December. So, that whole conversation with Notre Dame recruiting him is going to change, I think, quite a bit uh, over the coming weeks. 
which makes, uh, you know, the outcome of games coming up here for Notre Dame all that much important, much more important when you're talking about prospects like that. And the next two weeks, as we know, traveling to Syracuse and then playing Clemson at home will tell us an awful lot about the, the, the Notre Dame team of 2022. I mm. did want to bring up, I know you put a clip out there, a 2024 defensive line commitment, Owen Wafel from Princeton, New Jersey. My goodness, this kid is wired for contact. Uh, a real interesting physical makeup where, you know, you can, you can see him as a, as a, as a defensive end, but also perhaps evolving into an interior defensive lineman. I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go overboard on this and I want everybody to understand where I'm saying this coming from with this, but in terms of game day mindset, there is a Zorch like approach to the way that Owen Wafel plays football. Yeah, uh, he's been a fun story to cover and um, great kid as well. I talked to his uh, his dad last week. That was a great conversation. His dad was a four-year player at Duke. Um, and his, in terms of with Owen, whether he's going to play inside or on the edge, it's really going to be about his growth. And I know that it's, it's kind of rare we'll see a kid grow an inch or two or three. I mean, that's just doesn't really happen very often. But with Wayful. Six two and a half, two seventy five, but his dad said, "Look, I'm six six. I played at two ninety. So his dad was like basically like a Riley Mills, right? And he goes, Owen, I have size fourteen feet. My son has size sixteen feet. He goes, <laughs> and we chart all his measurements closely. And just this year, his hands are now bigger than my hands. And he says, this is six six. His dad's a massive dude, right? So, anyways." If there's going to be someone who's going to grow an inch or two or three, it might be Owen, but who knows? We could see he could stay at that same height as well. But yeah, he is one heck of a tough kid. That also said, this was almost hard to believe that Owen's max bench right now is more than what his dad's was in his senior year at Duke as a four year starter. So that was really something. He is a powerhouse inside, you know, three tech. And he said, uh, his dad told me that the Notre Dame coaching staff said just that. He said, we see him anywhere from the one technique to the five. And it's really going to be about how he grows, right? So we'll see how that goes. He's going to be a fun one to track. He's, uh, he, he's he a will powerhouse. Be. He, will, he will be fun to track. And really, whatever position he ends up, I think he's going to be a productive football player. Yes. I did want to bring up Jaden Lamar, the running back out of Lake Stevens, Washington. He's been verbally committed to Notre Dame and one of, one of three running backs verbally committed to Notre Dame in a class of 2023. Um, but he's getting some additional interest, especially his part of the country. He's mm-hmm. from the state of Washington. Washington is playing better football. And this is why I say it's important that Notre Dame wins these games mm-hmm. when it comes to some of these recruits. Oregon, I know, is interested uh, in him. But um, Kevin, where do you think I mean, what direction is is this recruiting process going for Nordame with Jaden Lamar? You know, I sort of caught wind maybe, I don't know, six weeks ago or so. I think there is a little bit of concern or sort of questions around the number of running backs. You know, this is um, after Dylan Edwards had committed, and then it was clear they were also recruiting Jeremiah Love and really wanted him. Nordame signed four running backs over the two previous classes, so now it's like, you know, if you can put yourself in his shoes, it's like, well, I'm going to be sort of one of seven running backs over three classes. I mean, that's, you know, a little legitimate concern, but 
he loves Notre Dame. Um, he's, you know, close with and get hit it off with uh, <laughs> other commits like Braylon James, Rico Flores, and so forth. But Notre Dame hasn't been playing very well, number one. Uh, number two, there's, uh, you know, a, what's going to be possibly a crowded running back room. Uh, and then number three, some of those schools are, are playing better than they did last year. You got Oregon and Washington been playing, you know, certainly better than Notre Dame. Um, and he's been going on visits to those schools. Um, he does have a younger brother, so it's sort of like, well, I'm just go tagging along with my brother. Well, they're going to recruit the heck out of him when he's there, <laughs> yeah. especially when he's, uh, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to ignore Jaden Lamar when he's on campus with his no. younger brother. <laughs> no, that's right. And then I just sort of caught wind on the weekend from someone in the know that, um, you know, Notre Dame might have a bit of a dogfight there in, in retaining him, you know, and so we'll see what happens there. You know, Dylan Edwards, like I said earlier, all purpose back, Jeremiah Love and kind of playing the slot a little bit there. Lamar's the, the, the true running back there, right? In that in that class. So I think it'd be really good for Notre Dame to hang on to him. I think he would be a loss, like a, a tough loss. Another true running back that Notre Dame has is Jadarian Price, which of course we kind of gloss over at this time of year with three backs being established uh, uh, this fall for the 2022 Notre Dame team. But Jadarian Price, when he comes back from his Achilles injury as a guy, he would have been one way or another, he would have been playing this year because they loved him coming out of the spring and, you know, going into the summer. And then he had the unfortunate injury, but that's another guy that you add to the, to the list. Now, Kevin, you wrote, uh, you write every Wednesday, a, a recruiting update, a, a midweek, update and you one of the topics you discussed was uh as Nordame continues to search for a quarterback depending upon you know where CJ Carr moves up a, a year or not but there is some speed that Notre Dame is acquiring um and and size of, of course at wide receiver with Braylon James and Jaden Greathus and Rico Flores uh, but just, I, I guess I'm kind of combining a couple topics here, but the opportunity for quarterbacks that come to Notre Dame to throw to a good group of receivers coming up, and then just the speed quotient that you mentioned with guys like Micah Bell and Dylan Edwards and Peyton Bowen and Ben Minnick, I guess three of those four projected on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's, um, you know, we were talking about pretty impressive speed there, but when I start kind of charting it, just putting pen to paper yesterday, looking at it all, I mean, you've got Dylan Edwards, certainly one of the fastest athletes in the country, 439, one of the fastest man award at the Under Armour camp. So there's a 43 guy. You've got Jeremiah Love, who verified 448. Um, and then you've got you know, Braylon James, verified 447. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand how how few you know players there are out there, four-star recruits that are 4-4 or 4-3 guys. There's a lot of claim that they are, but they aren't. Um, you know, on top of that, on defense, Christian Gray, he ran a 4-4-2 and 4-4-0 uh, in the summer. You've got Micah Bell, who ran a 10-4-600 meter, which is just a blistering time. Peyton Bowen, 4-3-7. Um, you know, it, the list just sort of goes on. We haven't seen this kind of speed at Notre Dame in one class. Um, I don't in a very, very long time. And in just kind of within all of that as well, kind of pondering Notre Dame quarterback recruiting. And it's like, you know, it's easy for, I think, a lot of fans to get um, hung up on a lot of negatives right now. They haven't been playing well. 
Um, you know, a wide receiver who visits for a game isn't going to be wowed by Notre Dame's passing attack, but there are some things that Notre Dame can sell. And it's if you're a quarterback and you're looking at considering Notre Dame and considering that option as a 2023 recruit, I mean, look at what they've added between these recent classes. Tobias Merriweather, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Cam Williams, all four-star recruits, most of them high four-star recruits. Um, you know, talking about five four-star running backs between Sterian Price, Jabron Payne, uh, Jaden Lamar, and so forth. And then on that offensive line, um, just big towering offensive linemen, Eli Raritan, Holden Stays, Cooper Flanagan, um, I looked at it all. I mean, it's 23 recruits at those positions I just mentioned, all but two or four star recruits, Joe Otting, Ashton Craig, the only three stars. Um, that is a whole lot of talent they'd be surrounded by. You know, it is Notre Dame. And then sort of, you know, any quarterback looking at that, they got to feel like they could have a real good shot at getting on the field early. I don't think Drew Pine's really scaring away a lot of recruits that way. So anyways, you know, there's some good selling points there. Quarterbacks care about who they're going to get the ball to. Notre Dame's got some exciting players that way. Kevin, Kevin Sinclair of Irish Illustrated. Kevin, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And once again, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. <laughs>